welcome to this latest episode in the Herbert Smith Freehills FDI Friday podcast series, in which our foreign direct investment regulation experts are sharing their insights into FDI regimes around the globe. I'm Ruth Allen, a professional support lawyer in our competition, regulation and trade practice in London. And I'm joined today by Nanda Lau and Gavin Guo from our Shanghai office. Nanda heads up our Shanghai and Beijing offices and leads our corporate practice in Greater China. And Gavin is our corporate partner based in our joint operation office with Shanghai Kawei Law Firm in China. In today's episode, we're going to be sharing insights for investors seeking to navigate the Chinese FDI regime. China has gone through various stages of FDI regulation and liberalization over the years, and it continues to evolve. Nanda, could you start off with a brief description of how the Chinese FDI regime works, drawing out the key features that investors need to be aware of? Thank you, Ruth. In recent years, a number of reforms on foreign investment have been brought out by the Chinese government to significantly relax the regulatory regime for foreign investment across the country. And the most important reform is the foreign investment law, which came into effect on the 1st of January 2020, replacing decades-old laws governing foreign investor enterprise, sometimes referred to as FIEs, in China. These reforms demonstrate China's determination and efforts to promote and attract foreign investment and create a more level playing field for foreign investors. The new foreign investment law enhances protection for foreign investors' rights and interests and standardized foreign investment regulation in China. Under the foreign investment law, China adopts a negative list approach for foreign investment. Except for certain sectors are prescribed in a negative list, all foreign investors will receive national treatment in their investments in China, which means that foreign investors will be subject to the same qualifications and requirements as Chinese investors. Regulatory filings and registration procedures for the establishment of foreign invested enterprises have also been streamlined pursuant to the law. Um, the negative list is jointly published by China National Development and Reform Commission, NDRC, and Minister of Commerce, MOFCOM, and will be periodically updated. The latest one was published in 2021. Sectors that are subject to foreign investment restrictions include telecommunications, medical institutions, education, public transportation, etc. Actually, there's another separate negative list for free trade zones in China, for example, the Shanghai, Guangdong, and the Fujian free trade zones, which further liberalizes foreign investment in certain industry sectors established in those free trade zones. China also runs an encouraged industries catalog regime under which the state provides incentives and favorable policies for foreign investment in the encouraged sectors, for example, in certain types of advanced manufacturing or investment in certain green technologies and services. National security review is another critical aspect of China FDI regime. It involves mandatory notification and approval for foreign investments that affect or may affect China national security interest, which we will talk about in more detail later. To understand the China FDI regime, investors should also take note of the key government bodies that are involved in the process, including 
the state administration for market regulation, we often call it SAMA, which is responsible for reviewing whether a foreign investment project falls under the negative list and oversees the registration and filing of foreign investment projects. The second authority that we need to know is the Ministry of Commerce, MOFCOM, which oversees the foreign investment import information reporting. And then the National Development and Reform Commission, NDRC, which is responsible for approval of certain large-scale fixed assets investment projects. The National Security Review Office, NSR Office, which is established under NDRC and jointly led by NDRC and MOFCOM, and is the authority responsible for national security reviewed. And of course, there are other sector-specific regulators who will step in to provide industry-specific approvals if the project falls within certain sectors, such as the financial services sector or the telecommunications sector. A couple of points to add on investment in state-owned assets. State-owned enterprises, or we put it simply SOEs, play an important role in China. Transactions with SOEs must follow a set of SOE rules, including valuation of the state-owned assets, public bidding and approval or filing of the transaction with CISAC, which is the state-owned assets regulator. Specifically, for example, state-owned assets, which are the subject of an acquisition, must be valued by a qualified institution, and government approval will be required if the transaction price is less than 90% of the valuation. Thank you, Gavin. These key features demonstrate the complexity of China's FDI regime. It's essential for investors to be aware of these aspects to navigate the system successfully. But notwithstanding the complexity of China's FDI regime, in practice, only a very, very small proportion of foreign investment projects require pre-closing FDI approvals in China. As said, China has continued to liberalize its foreign investment regime, and the recent reforms have shown great efforts of the Chinese government to streamline the FDI approval and registration process. Thanks for that really helpful introduction. Nanda, you gave some useful examples of the sectors which are on the negative list where foreign investors will need to obtain specific approvals. And you also mentioned a few examples of encouraged sectors. Gavin, could you expand a bit more on those sectors or the types of activities that are covered by the Chinese FDI regime? Sure, Ruth. The negative list um, sets out the sectors and ac activities which are either prohibited or restricted for foreign investment for foreign investors. So um, referring to the negative list is often the first step when considering its investment. Um, in short, um, activities and sectors prohibited to foreign investment are largely those that endanger national security or natural resources, harm the public interest or threaten military installations. For example, foreign investment is prohibited in R&D and production of Chinese rare species. Restricted projects are those that are harmful to the environment or are in the protected sectors of the Chinese economy. For these restricted sectors, the restrictions mainly involve the shareholding ratio of foreign investors and whether a Chinese JV partner must have control over the project. For example, the Chinese party must have a controlling shareholding in the domestic water or public air transportation business. Permitted investments. 
include all activities and sectors not included in the negative lists. Those sectors are considered open to foreign investors and they receive what's known as national treatment. As Nanda um, explained already, this means that foreign investors will be subject to the same qualifications and requirements as Chinese investors investing in these areas. In the current national negative list, there are 31 restricted or prohibited sectors. The list has been shortened over the years. For example, the financial sector is now fully open to foreign investors in accordance with China's WTO commitment. And most recently, the Chinese government has announced that it will further shorten the negative list, fully opening the manufacturing sectors to foreign investment. Thanks for that additional clarification, Gavin. Nanda, you also mentioned the separate national security review. Could you elaborate on the types of transactions that are subject to that review process? Yes, sure. Uh, any foreign investment that affects or may affect China's national security will be subject to the national security review in China, which is a separate regime than the negative list regime. This covers a wide range of investment activities by foreign investors, including greenfield investments, merger and acquisitions, and other forms of investment. The National Security Review applies to uh, various sectors. First of all, it covers investments in military industries, uh, military supporting industries, and also areas concerning national defense, including investments near the um, military facilities. And the regime also covers investments in specific important uh, industries and key sectors related to national security, where foreign investors acquire actual control of the target entity after the investment. For example, key agricultural sector, key energy and infrastructure, key financial services and key technology sectors. And actual control is defined by various factors and considerations such as equity holding, voting rights, in other circumstances that enable foreign investors to exert a significant impact on the target entity's business, its decision-making, personnel, finance, and technology, etc. Thanks. And what about sanctions for non-compliance? What penalties apply if, for example, a foreign investor breaches those negative list requirements or a transaction is completed without having first obtained the necessary authorization? If a Foreign investment breaches the negative list requirements, the authorities will not approve the transaction. Um, if the transaction is completed anyway and subsequently discovered by the authorities, then the authorities will have the power to unwind the completed transaction, although um, in practice this is very rare. Um, if there is any illegal income from the investment, then the authorities may also confiscate such illegal income. And moving on to the national security uh, review regime, the legal consequences of non-compliance are similar. Uh, if a foreign investor fails to make a national security review filing where is required, uh, the foreign investor will be ordered to make a filing within a specific deadline. If filing has not been made before the deadline, the investor will be ordered to unwind investment and to take other necessary measures to reinstate the pre-investment status within a prescribed period. In addition, the non-compliance will be recorded in the national credit system in China. This can be uh, a detrimental uh, impact on the party's credit records. Uh, it may lead to restrictions on various activities such as uh, financing through capital markets and bidding for government projects. 
So it's not just about uh, unwinding the investment. It can also have a broader consequences for the parties involved. Uh, if approval has been granted with conditions, but the foreign investor fails to comply with the conditions, similar sanctions will also be imposed. Thanks both. And turning to how the Chinese FDI regime is actually playing out in practice, can you comment on the types of transactions that are most likely to attract scrutiny? Uh, well, we do not see many enforcement cases in this area in practice. There was only one notable national security review case in 2019 that drew significant public attention. Uh, in August 2019, a local supermarket chain, Yonghui Superstores, with a substantial minority foreign shareholding, uh, disclosed that it had received a notice from the NDRC requesting national security review related information on its proposed acquisition of a controlling stake in a Chinese state-owned retail store called um, Zhongbai um, Holdings. After the PRC, Antitrust Authority had already given its merger control clearance for the deal. So while there has been no official confirmation from NDRC regarding its concerns about the deal or the standards it applied for requesting information, it is believed that uh, the primary concerns of NDRC were related to Zhongbai's essential role as the major service provider for the 2019 military World Games and Zhongbai's um, store network in certain military colleges in Wuhan. Uh, in the end, the NDRC process did not lead to a published decision. Yonghui Superstore subsequently um, withdrawn and cancelled its proposed acquisition of Zhongbai. While we don't have uh, comprehensive data on all national security review cases, it's clear that the review process can be triggered by various factors, including national security concerns, sensitive sectors, vicinity to military facilities, relationship with military customers, and the role of foreign investors are in the deal. It's worth noting that the Chinese government has been increasingly cautious about investment in sectors and industries that are critical to national security, defense, and public welfare. So investors in these areas uh, should be particularly vigilant. Thanks, Nanda. And in terms of timing of the review process, that's obviously something which is at the forefront of investors' minds as soon as the possibility arises that FDI clearance might be required. What's the time frame for review of transactions under the Chinese FDI regime? Timing is indeed a critical um, consideration, Ruth. If a foreign investment project does not fall under the negative list and it meets the relevant requirements and also pre-approval from the sector-specific regulator is not required under the sector-specific regulations, then SEMA is generally expected to complete a registration with 30 days from the acceptance of a complete application package. But when it comes to sector-specific review, such as you know regulations for the banking, telecommunications, and education sectors, um, that specific time limits for such reviews are um, currently still pending clarification. Um, additionally, for MOFCOM information reporting, foreign investors and foreign invested enterprises will need to make online reports upon um, the foreign invested enterprise establishment and whenever there is a change to the um, reported information. 
Thanks, Gavin. And also when it comes to the national security review, the process involves specific statutory timelines. Uh, foreign investments falling within the scope of the national security review regime must submit a filing to the NSR office before implementing a transaction. Uh, the NSR office has up to 15 working days upon receiving the filing to decide whether to commence a national security review. Once the review is initiated, uh, the NSR office has up to 30 working days to make a decision. However, this period can be uh, further extended to 90 working days in special circumstances, particularly if the NSR office determines that the transaction has or may have an impact on national security. This is also known as the phase two review. Um, the phase two review generally involves multiple ministries coordinated by the NDRC and MOFCOM. Um, no decision will be made until all the relevant ministries give their opinion and approval to the proposed foreign investment. Given the potential delay in the review process, we generally advise foreign investors to allow at least four to six months uh, for NSR review process. Thanks, Nanda. And if national security concerns are identified during that review process, what sort of remedies are imposed to address them? Can any concerns usually be dealt with by just imposing certain conditions or restrictions on the deal? Or is outright prohibition something that is a real possibility? Unfortunately, um, there is no clear official guideline on this question. Since uh, there have not been many enforcement cases in practice, there is also no real decisional practice that foreign investors can refer to. Ultimately, the NSR office has a wide discretion to decide whether to approve the transaction or not, and if approved, whether the approval is subject to any conditions. Thanks, Nanda. And just finally, have there been any other recent developments in FDI regulation in China which we haven't touched on yet, or any topical issues which investors should have on their radar? Uh, yes, China continues to send positive messages on further liberalization of foreign investment. For example, China has been making promises to further open up certain sectors such as the TMT sector, financial services sector and advanced manufacturing sector to foreign investment in a gradual and systematic manner. They've also been uh, taking measures to simplify uh, foreign investment related regulatory procedures. Another significant development is the establishment of 21 free trade zones in China over the last decade, uh, including Shanghai, Guangdong, Tianjin, Fujian free trade zones, and more recently, the Hainan free trade port. Uh, these free trade zones and ports are testing grounds for new open-up policies, which, if successfully implemented, will eventually roll out to the whole country. And more recently, in August 2023, the PRC State Council has released certain new measures to further optimize foreign investment environment and increase efforts to attract foreign investment into the country. These measures focused on ensuring equal treatment for domestic and foreign firms and increasing financial and tax support to foreign investors. These measures are expected to guide local governments uh, in implementing specific policies to support foreign investors in their respective localities. Well, however, there is always another side to the coin. Uh, China has been tightening its compliance regime, including enhanced data protection and stricter regulations on cross-border data transfers. Authorities have been particularly interested in national security and protection of personal data and important data, 
which is considered to be have on national security uh, concern or importance. One thing to add on the foreign investment law, Nanda earlier mentioned, it provides for a five year transition period starting from the 1st of January 2020. Um, during the transition period, FIEs established prior to um, the 1st of January 2020 shall reform their corporate governance structures to comply with the PRC company law requirements. Um, this includes decision making mechanism, voting, quorum, and management nomination, etc. Um, after the expiry of the transition period, which is from the 1st of January 2025, if an FIE fails to convert its corporate governance structure to be in compliance with the PRC company law, then SAMA will reject any registration by the FIE and it will publicize the non-compliance in China's national credit system. This has a major impact on existing Sino-Foreign joint ventures as converting the corporate governance structure of a JV will often involve changes to, for example, the decision-making mechanism, quorum voting, etc., which will likely open the door for joint venture partners to seek to renegotiate the JV terms. And that could have a major impact on the dynamics of their um, relationship. Given the transition period will soon expire, we would suggest um, FIE clients, particularly JVs, to carefully review their constitutional documents to make sure that their corporate governance structure complies with the foreign investment law. Thanks, Gavin and Nanda, for sharing your insights today. It's been a really interesting discussion. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for, but thanks to our listeners for joining us. And please do let us know if you have any feedback on this episode or indeed any suggestions for areas to cover in future episodes of FDI Friday. This week, I've also been talking to David Dorborn and Celia Konya about the Indonesian FDI regime. And that episode is now also live on our website alongside this one.